Hey there, you're listening to RuneLanders, available at runewise.games or pretty much anywhere podcasts are distributed. If you're just joining us, welcome aboard, and if you're returning, welcome back. This is Rapscallions, episode 5. Before we begin, a bit of a recap. On our last episode, we explored the origins of Nari and Zivu Hulu from their humble beginnings in the laundries of Hardbottle through their ascent to the tops of their respective professions. Returning to the present, we follow Nari, Stitch, and Arabet to the city archive, where they search for information on the city plans, which might give them some insight as to where the were-rats might be hiding. While there, they encounter the city archivist, an ancient demon of ink called Zul-Rul-Buelb. Nari, fearless as ever, begins negotiating with the demon, and the demon, interested by Nari's fearlessness, sends him on an errand. Before he can accomplish that, however, Nari and Calder travel across town to Littleton Orkridge, where they attempt to catch the rat bastards at home, and Nari both gets the pair into and out of an extraordinarily dangerous situation. All that and more was in episode four, a little story I call Hallucidation. That's the recap. I'm DM Runewise. Now let me tell you a story. We rejoin the action with a focus on Magma Stitch and Ziva. What are you guys up to? How about no good? <laughs> Clearly. All right. So um, you were beating the streets and looking uh, looking around the area and stuff like that. And uh, Ziva, I'm just going to say you had 10 minutes to get your familiar back into corporeal form. Okay. I mean, the original summoning was the big show. Everything after that is just kind of a series of adjustments, right? Uh, and depending how much adjustment, I mean, dismissing and calling it no problem. Getting it to change form, that's another 10 minutes or so while you get things together. Unless it's in its pocket. Yeah. For clarification, so everybody knows how it works. So, you guys are out beating the streets and, like, down by the docks. Um, you've also, I would assume, dressed for... Uh, like, Stitch, you said uh, for downtime you were getting yourself a coat and a mask for should you have to descend under the sewers, or into the sewers. Mm-hmm. Magma really doesn't need any preparation at all, because monks are just the get-up-out-of-bed-and-be-awesome-and-go class. You know, no armor, no weapons, <laughs> no need for any of that shit. Like, come on. 
Like after about ten, why bother carrying a weapon? You know, yeah. Yeah, she'll basically wear the exact same thing she wore coming up out of the mines. So it's filthy, which is pretty much the same thing she wore yesterday and the day before that. And now it's <laughs> to add to the level of soot and grime that's on it. There is now at least a good layer of sweat that has now been infused in it. Yeah, like, like you know, one of those Tai Chi jackets. And her, and, and her work trousers, which are, like, dungaree work pants, jeans, and, like, these big shit-kicking boots, and, like, you know, like, like, a, like a, a t-shirt or six, and, like, that's her wardrobe, right? You were blessing her by giving her six t-shirts, but yes. Yeah, well, you know. uh, if she's been, if she's start, moved into the room in Ziva's house, um, she may occasionally find herself... With just some new shirts. Well, there's a little. I mean, oh, currently, currently she kind of threw her bindle on her new bed, and that was it, right? She had, she yeah. has yet to unpack. But uh, yeah, some gifts may yeah. just sort of find themselves in her room. Right, anything, anything magnicized, <laughs> anyway. Right. Mostly nari scarl clothes, but you know. Yeah, but like, yeah, anything to make her smell better. Yeah. She bathes. A wide array of soaps and perfumes are also present in the toilette. Yeah. <laughs> of course. And there is running water in the in, in the suites, right? Like the, we are oh, yeah. in the we are we're in the age of we are in the age of plumbing, right? So you know We're extremely posh. Yeah. Uh, either either way, like she'll be yeah, she'll be clean, but at the same time, she doesn't want because she knows that being clean in areas like this is going to oh, attract yeah. attention. She That's knows this. Right. Uh, Ziva will be in uh, just very simple, like simple boots, um, big, like knee-high, shit-kicking boots, but flat, and just like leggings um, and a long. Uh, sweater over top, simple, all cool. simple, just plain black. And uh, her hair is all has been mashed and and slicked and like this huge spiked mess of hair that she usually has. Uh, so I imagine that makes her look quite different. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's much more severe. All back and uh, covered up. Under a scarf, and yeah, a it's uh, more Gina Carano and less Susie Sue, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, so so she's got the she's got her hair tucked back. She's got her hood, you know. Still, right now, she's leaving its back, and like fuck, she looks good wherever she goes, you know. That's uh, damn it, Ziva. But uh, this in in this particular bit with her hair all slicked back and stuff like that, it really emphasizes her eyes and her ears, right? She could have passed for, oh, and when she did her hair, it just did that. Like, press the digitation. It just all kind of crawled back into that bun, right? But, uh, and tied itself up. It was really kind of creepy to watch, you know, especially since there was whispers as it happened. But, uh, 
anyway, so like now that her hair is back, it really emphasizes her eyes and her ears. Ten minutes ago before she did her hair, she could have passed for mainly human, right? Like just the touch of the elf. But with her hair back like this, she is fucking severe. And like quite lovely still, but very fey. Her ears are a lot pointier than any of you ever thought. And her eyes have that almond shape, right? Um, also, she's like just that kind of porcelain fucking perfect that comes with being fey, you know? And it's really, you can see this now that she's taken all of the distractions away from it, right? Yeah, she's actually, well, I'm not going to say no makeup, but uh, it's not the, it's just looks like she's not wearing makeup. Hollywood no makeup, yeah. Yeah, no makeup makeup. Yeah, like just eyeliner and a bit of and a bit of powder on the cheeks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, I get it. But uh yeah, and, and that's exactly it. Like her big purple eyes are you know, not there's nothing to distract from it. She's got these gigantic amethyst eyes. They're fucking as deep as anything. And uh you know, like a whole different woman stands before you now. She was the funerist a minute ago. Now this is a combat necromantrix. <laughs> Prepare for battle. So uh, Stitch, in his coat, which buttons up and is big and is low and is low cut enough that he can keep his tail up underneath it, um, has. Uh, do you have the mask, Stitch? Oh God, yes, I have the mask. He has a tiger mask, which happens to fit over his naturally felid face perfectly. But it's a dead winter mask, right? For when everybody gets their masks on and goes and parties at dead winter every year. However, this one has a snout that he can fill with uh, garlic, pickled in ether, or, you know, other party substances, as he will. But right now it's sitting on his lap. So Magma's looking like a grub. Uh, there's the combat necromantrix and the tiger-masked <laughs> tabaxi. And you are down by the dock, and you're you're going down by the docks. Um, it is about ten thirty at night. Um, but as you're down pouring around the docklands, you can see that off of Tyrus Island, a ferry of new immigrants has just been cleared to land at the port. And uh, you know, like you can see, there's a parcel of halflings down on the docks. Oh man. There's, like, new ones coming. Are they rats? Do they know about the rats? Are they, like, calling each other? Oh, man. Okay, you guys are making me crazy. Zip, zip. They're just halflings. They're just, they're just immigrating from wherever. Okay, but, like... Uh, you're right. I'm just weirded out by those giant rats. Ugh. I think we should, however, keep an eye on them to see who might show up to claim them. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I've never really done this, like, stakeout sort of thing before, so... So you go wandering down the quay, and there's the usual sorts of stalls and vendors and this sort of thing, and these people never really pack up. Like, I mean, they just switch off, and there's, like... One particular sausage on a stick place that is particularly good and stitch. Um, this, if you want to get a good grilled rat, 
there, there's a dude out on this pier who does a really good job. You know, there's also, like, salmon and, like, various sushi and, like, hats and badges and stamps and all kinds of keepsakes, right? Because people are uh, just arriving here. It's a, it's a notable arrival pier off of Terrace Island, right? And, like, of course, there's always the, the sharps out there, you know, like, hey, you looking for work? And there's the guys who prey on the young women and the women who prey on the young men and the people who prey on the unsuspecting, these newcomers. Now, if they're smart, they'll walk on past, but there are all kinds of hawkers and they're barking their pitches over top of things. And the whole thing, oddly and macabrely enough, has a carnival kind of air to it, you know? So, as you proceed down this key, think something like, like basically 1900s New Jersey. You know, that that big broad boardwalk and the whole carnival sort of thing. But this is the first place in Bailey Mina people are seeing. It's all well lit. It's all beautiful. But there's like the boat lets off and like, you know, there's you can see orcs and half orcs and, you know, people who look half elven. People clearly from Bailey Mina coming back from abroad mm-hmm. uh, who just bustle on and they ignore the hawkers. But like there's if you have sharp enough eyes, roll a perception check. Like, like all, all of us? All of you. Roll a perception check. Oops. Uno momento. Yeah, Ooh, natural 20. Right on stitch. Uh, uh 17. Mm-hmm. Okay, 12. Okay, so Ziva, you're looking around and all you see is like this whole mess of people. And like some of them are, you know, wearing weird clothes and they've got different colored skin of all kinds and, you know, all different breeds and nations and boat lets them out and uh you know they, they all kind of unload with whatever cargo they're carrying and stuff whatever isn't meeting them later and uh you know there's just this big melee and you can see like little we pickpocket tea looking folks darting in and out of the crowd bumping people in bumping into people stealing wallets that sort of thing Right, mm-hmm. but this is just another day in Bailey Mina, and now that you look at these uh, these little pickpockets, they don't seem to be halflings, but gnomes. Hmm. There are halflings. I mean, of all different shapes and varieties, all over the place. Um, Jesus, hard to pick them out. They all kind of look the same, really. You haven't really paid that much attention. Now, magma. Um, you note that there are some rather unscrupulous-looking people who are. Trying to attract the attention of pretty young girls and pretty young boys, like I said. You notice these people because that's how you wound up in the mines. Uh, and that was one of the better things. Like, when you came here, you were a deal on Catherica. You fought in the capital city at the, at the, you know, the Arena Maximus. You were a big deal. And here you are now in the south in the mines, but not anymore. You remember when you landed here, you thought, well, I'll just make something of it, but... It was one of those hawkers that got you into the mines. You spot him and mark him for later. And uh, also notice the quiet, reposed form of the were-rat you think is Mickey, leaning on the rail of the pier, watching the crowd as people arrive. Stitch. Mickey is standing over there on the, on the railing, and uh, he's looking through the crowd. He seems to be paying particular attention to the 
skinnier ghost-wise types who are getting off the boat. Ghost-wise as in the, the type of halfling that they are? That's right. Okay, well, to make sure that Ziva and Megma both see him, I squeeze their hands ever so slightly and just kind of look in that direction nonchalant. Just then, Ziva, a bunch of drunks across the harbor light off a bunch of fireworks, which are quite pretty. I'm sorry? So just then, a bunch of drunks across the Firth, across the harbor, because that's a, that's a more well-off neighborhood. They light off a bunch of fireworks, and those are really pretty, right? Because because you got a <laughs> because you got a yeah you got a twelve sorry yeah magma you can't. But I look it. over after. Yeah, and then he has to point it out again. You're like, oh right, okay, right. I see him now. Okay, so like, what should we do? Like, he's looking like he looks like he's looking at the 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 ghostlings that come off type of halfling, the thin ones. They must maybe be relations to him in some sorts. Uh, we should just follow him for now stick back. He doesn't know who we are. He doesn't suspect us at this time. We're just on the docks. So, anyway. She leans kind of over to Stitch and, and Ziva and, you know, kind of make it look like they're having a conversation kind of thing. She says, Dolan, do you know what rats do best? Uh, no. What's that? They procreate. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So you think he's, like, recruiting? And just about then, you see Mickey kind of nod his head and lift his chin. You know, like the, uh, it's different from place to place, but some places nod with their chin down, other places nod with their chin up. So he raises his chin, that sort of Western style. Stitch, you can see he makes a noise with his teeth. There's a girl who's coming down the gangway and her head just shoots over to look at him. And she gets a great big old smile on, his fa- on her face. And when she gets her way down the gangway, she pushes her way through the crowd, runs over, and they wrap each other up in, their, in each other's arms. And he gives her a big deep kiss. And, you know, she does the whole Hollywood faint away with her leg up and everything like that. And you can't tell what he's saying to her from right now, but this looks like a joyous reunion after a long time. Look at that. Isn't that, isn't that pretty? Like, uh, they're going to get their freak on. So we follow them until they get their freak on. And then we make our little one. Whatever it is, we're going. Agreed? Yeah, I'm happy to follow them a little bit, if only so that we can figure out where the two of them are going. And at the very least, be able to give a description to Calder and the others. It may come down to... In terms of our hobgoblin friend, we may have to grab her and use her as leverage. We either grab the both of them or one of them. The girl, he seems to like her. We know he's a wet rat. Fair enough. Let's wait and wait. Okay. Can I get a perception check from all of you? We're going to do a skill challenge for the next bit of this. I need each of you to do a perception check. And each of you to do a stealth check. Okay, Google, roll 1d20. Sure. You rolled a 2. Did you hear that? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, my uh, perception was an 8. The difficulty was 2. My perception was a natural 1. And you missed it again, Ziva. Cool fireworks. Oh. 
It's amazing. My perception is 23, and my stealth was, excuse me, I gotta just take a look here. Um, seven. All right. So, um, that, actually, that was not your 17, dear. That was my 17. Okay. Your, you rolled a 19 oh, and a 9. Yeah, 9 plus 8 is 17. Oh, I see. It's a 14. Never underestimate the bard with massive stealth. <laughs> oh, his, his stitch is awesome. Yes, I like him. I am not rolling well today. What did you What did you get there, Ziva? Uh, I got a natural one on my perception and a thirteen. The only possible way that you could have, well, yeah, well, great. Like you, you rolled a thir- thirteen on stealth. Cool. Um, what did you roll on stealth, Magnum? Uh, I rolled a 17. And so then Stitch rolled a... 17 on stealth as Okay, well. you're both good. Stitch, it's pretty obvious to you that um, Mickey has made Ziva. Oh. But he doesn't... He honestly doesn't seem to have noticed the six-and-a-half-foot-tall cat man or the fire elemental. So <laughs> that should just go to show you how striking Ziva looks with her hair back. But anyway, it's them purple eyes, I'm telling you. Is there any possibility of, like, oh, Ziva's perception is shit, but is there any possible way of just, like, making a motion for her to back off and just go somewhere? Sure, you are, like, no, you're not too far away from her. I mean, you could just tell her, in fact. Ziva, go look at some purses over there or whatever, right? But Ziva, squirrel. Yeah. I'm not like dumb, so no. All right, Ziva, make a perception check with intelligence this time. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a thirteen. That's five. better. That's so... better. Okay, so you're like, I'm not stupid. Oh shit, they fucking made me. Okay. Right. Uh, right. So, I will go shopping, la la la. Right. I'm not, I am, like, totally normal person. Not doing anything suspicious at all. Then I need you to roll a deception check. Okay, Google. Roll 1d20. Uh, 15. Coming right up. You rolled an 8. There's deception. 17. Ha-ha. All right. Well, so uh, Stitch, Mickey sees that Ziva has noticed him noticing her and taken off, right? So as to uh, break off the pursuit. And he's confident that he's shaken his pursuer. So he kind of steps off and he's not really too worried about it. Um, you and Magma can follow them along. Yep, we yep, roll? We'll yeah. yeah, we'll continue on following him very stealthily, just kind of keeping our distance, trailing him like we are really bad narcs. In a... Right. So he uh, he leads her back up the promenade and then up some stairs and a couple of sidewalks to pretty much the place where Ziva lost her rat. Right? 
And then, like, they stand there and they talk for a while and he points out, like, oh, will you look at that? That's the Ring of Fire. You don't see it that colored of green from the homeland, right? Up in the Riverlands? No, not here. No, it's more green here, I'm telling you. But it also turns orange. You won't believe it. Daisy. This is the promised land. We have the best thing going. I just need you to meet the boss first. And Daisy's like, well, I don't know, Mickey. I just, you know, you said you had a good thing outside of the city. And I've always wanted to be a farmer's wife, you know. I didn't expect a life here. Look at how crowded it is. You know, it doesn't seem like the, it, it's not what you promised. Oh, no, I'm telling you, Daisy, it's so much better. Like, really, you wouldn't believe it. I can't even be hurt. And with that, he pulls out a dagger and drags it across his hand like he's going to cut his fingers off. And it doesn't even mark him. And he's like, look, it, this is what the city has done for our people. And we won't be living in the cracks for much longer. We got a thing going. You got to trust me. I look at Magma. It's like, it's now or never. Do you, do you want me to grab him? Uh, Magma nods. And uh, she'll sort of, you know, strategically position herself in such a way that um, once Stitch has cast the spell and it's effective, she can grab Daisy. Okay. All right. So I want to make sure I'm within 60 feet and I'll cast okay, a person on you. Roll 2d20. What do you mean? Roll 2d20. Roll 2d20. I'm doing perception right. checks. It's 17 and 3 for a total of 20. All right. So I need for you to to make another stealth check. Me specifically? Both of you. Magma's moving, Magma. around, Magma's moving around to be in position, and so are you. You've got to get close enough to get a, a clear line for that spell, Stitch. Can I use my advantage? Yes, you can. Okay, because this is kind of crux. Yeah. I uh, roll an 18 for a total of 26. Uh, I rolled a 19 for my stealth. Uh, that is with the advantage. All right. Well, since Mickey rolled a 17 for his perception and Daisy rolled a 3 for hers, neither one of them see you. So you get yourselves into position and you're ready to spring the trap. Do go ahead and narrate this, my friends. You have a surprise round on them, so tell me what you do. I cast Hold Person. All right. Ziva, you can come up from behind right about now. Okay. And you, Magma, what's your thing? Uh, as soon as I uh, am pretty confident that Mickey has been held, um, I will go to basically swipe. Like, I will come up behind Daisy, swipe her. Okay. And uh, Ziva, since you're third on the scene, you get you still get an action. Um, I will use my mage hand to... No, you know what? I am going to, uh, instead of as a ritual... Oh, shoot. No, I don't have it prepared. Never mind. Sorry. That's... Yeah. I will use my mage hand, uh, to... Because we're grabbing Daisy? Yes. Yeah. So I'll use my mage hand to, like, um... To grab like a handful of her hair. Okay. Uh, to startle her. All right. Not to hurt her, obviously, because it, it's not that strong anyway. Right. Um, 
but just to 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 shock and startle her uh, in the hopes that you know she won't really be paying attention while. Okay, so as you come as you come walking up, Mickey looks over and spots you. He goes to say something, and just then somebody grabs a handful of Daisy's hair. She shrieks. He looks back at her, and Stitch drops his whole person on her. What's your D- what's your spell DC? My spell DC is fourteen. Unfortunately, it's very low. Okay, Google. Roll one d twenty. You rolled an eighteen. All right, all right. Oh. So he kind of turns around, and the magic grabs him, and he slows. And Daisy kind of shrieks as Magma. What are you doing? You're leaping up to get her. Uh, you, provide if if Mickey is it's still. Within, it's within your movement. So Mickey is kind of. You see him turn to grab Daisy. But he and, he and he slows in his motion as he turns around. It's like he's moving through molasses. It looks like the magic's going to take. You can roll an arcana check to see if it's going to. Uh, that's an action, yeah. You know what? I can move fast enough. I will take the action to do an arcana check. Okay. So that is a straight roll for me. Yep. That is an 11. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. He looks like he's going to slow down. He, he looks like like he looks like he's going to magic stop any second now. All so, right. Fair enough. I will keep going. Um, so boing boing. At, uh, basically, the, you know, swipe up Daisy like with, like she with, would be snatching a child. With two or three good parkour leaps, uh, magma closes the distance, no problem. Leaps up into the air and comes down behind Daisy. As the magic slows Mickey to a near stop. You can see there's a fury on him, and he just makes that noise, and there's, like, short, bristling fur that bursts out all over him for a second as he snaps clear, right? And he looks he looks up at Magma, right? What are you fucking trying to pull here? Roll initiative. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Mine was 17. 17. I had rolled a 12. 12, and Stitch? 19. Um, right. So, Ziva, you're up. All right. Uh, I am going to use... So, Ziva will look at the two of them, uh, pull one of the sticks from her hair, and uh, point it at them. A skeletal hand sort of materializes next to one of them, and... With a natural 20. Beautiful. For, oh, geez. Uh, hang on. Uh, for 25 damage. Holy smoke. What? Wow. <laughs> that was an effective the cantrip. The dice gods have favored me today. That, that was an effective cantrip, my friend. Uh, yeah. And they can't regain hit points until the start of my next turn. Because it's Ziva too... uses chill touch. It's highly effective. Yeah, Ziva <laughs> uses chill touch. It is highly effective, indeed. It's okay. super creepy. Um, well, so which one, the boy or the girl? The boy. All right, the one who's turning into a rat then, or a rat man then, right? Yeah. So, all right, as he completes his transformation, your chill touch reaches out and grabs him by the throat and hauls his little rat feet off the ground where they... 
skitter and scrape at the cobblestones as he's clutching at his throat, gripping at these ins the insubstantial finger bones of your spectral hand. Uh, he, you begin to crush his windpipe until finally he twists loose. L lands on his face on the cobblestones. He pushes himself up and finishes his transformation and snarls at Magma, who has landed in her crane stance. Um, Magma, you're up. Magma um, is going to do her best to try and make sure that uh, the woman that's there is not going to get hurt or hit. So basically with this massive monk style hip check, basically will push the, uh, the girl out of the way um, as she keeps sort of all of her attention on, on the rat. <laughs> um, and she will, as a matter of fact, produce flame in both hands and says, I do happen to like my rat barbecue and extra crispy. That's big fucking talk. And he's got his he's got his dukes up. He's looking at you. He's not afraid of you at all. He's kind of looking over towards Ziva a bit, though. And uh, seeing Stitch coming in, prowling on all fours. You've got he's, a choice. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm not. Gonna, I think I'm, I'm going to take the smart one. And uh, then he disengages, runs off towards the... He just fucks off towards the edge of the wall that looks down over the harbor right he takes off running all right i can throw that flame all right he's uh he's disengaging though so you don't get an attack of opportunity alas so as he ducks and weaves and shoots off to the side uh, as he the... as he runs she'll basically be like ah you coward leaving your girl here behind who said that and then, like, he's over the wall unless Stitch wants to take a chance to get him at the top of the next round. How far away is he? Uh, he's now about 40 feet away from you because he just took off fucking running. Hmm. Um, if it is my turn, I will use feline ag agility and be able to move a shit ton. <laughs> I double my speed till the end of this turn. Okay, you're on. So you just leap out of the bushes and clear the whole friggin' viewing platform in a bound. Uh, roll your attack. Uh, this will be an unarmed strike. I'm supposed to be um, adept in this, but I think it's my strength. So uh, 20 plus 3. Hold on a second. I'm all... 20 plus 3 is 23. I rolled a 14. Okay. Uh, 17. Let me just quickly check here. Oh, no, it would be 14 total, my friend. Yep, you got him. So um, he dodges and, and does all these jiggy jigs across. It's really hard to get a beat on him, Magma. But you draw back to let the flame loose, and then all of a sudden a fucking tiger, a black tiger, streaks through the friggin' through the air over this whole viewing platform and nails this little bugger by the back of the neck in its mouth. And that's when you realize the tiger's wearing clothes and, you know, a cloak and is actually Mr. Stitch. But for a second there, you were sure it was a feral cat. You know, like, and for as obvious as it may seem, the scale of this cat pouncing on this rat is enough to make you feel like a watching sparrow if you catch my drift, you know? 
But no, Stitch gets him. Boom. Nails him square on. Um, contestant strength check, right? For the grapple, I take it you're grabbing him. Yeah. Um, I Contestant strength or athletics, I think. Okay. Um, let's do athletics for you, and he'll do athletics for him. Oh, mine is horrible. Six. <laughs> Five. I'm not kidding. What's it say on that purple dice, Sean? Five. So you got him. Boom. You pin him flat. Anybody watch I, the girl? I look horribly surprised as I do it. Oh my god! I did it! I don't know if you're surprised that you did it or at how well it went, but the look is more or less the same. Uh, yeah, you got him by the back of the neck, pinned. Um, and that's all magma? I can do. Oh, sorry. No, that's 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 all I can do. So, all right, top of the round. Back to you, Magma. Or no, back to you, Ziva. Okay, uh, I'm gonna try a chill touch again on the girl. On the girl. Okay, the girl used her action that round to hide. Okay. So you need, uh, you need to roll. Okay. Aha, I have an idea for that. Okay. Oh, no, that's not good. I rolled an eight perception. You're not doing well with those this campaign so far, I got to tell you. Zoe. I'm really not. Okay, but, so yeah, yeah she's, okay. she's gone. She's done the magic pig trick and disappeared. Damn it. Then um, I'll hold a, a chill touch uh, for when I get can see her again. Okay. Uh, that's your turn, so Magma. Uh, well, Magma, of course, will take a quick look around to see if she can't see the girl. Give it a go. Oh, let's see how this goes. Uh, actually, I think I'm going to roll for it this time. I have new okay. dice I'd like to use. Why not? Uh, I rolled a 13 plus, uh, perception would be 3, so 16. Still didn't get her. She's, uh, she's nowhere to be seen. Okay, um... That's mag magma is then like all right that's that's fine at least she's out of harm's way, um, and we'll go to assist Mister Stitch. All right, so it's uh, as you're walking onto the platform, Ziva, um, that you notice there is a bit of a bustle uh, all around. In fact, the crowd from the docks. Like the people coming, the people going, the constant buzz of people here. Yes, despite the fact that this was an open spot, open enough to fight. There's still a crowd around. And now you notice that the front rank of this crowd is uh, all markedly short. And there's a blonde woman, hard to tell with the halflings. And, you know, by by folk, they uh, they vary so much. These are one of the, again, these are the thin and feral looking ones. So... They both look older and younger than they are. If you had to guess, this woman's about 30, and she's got these piercing blue eyes and freckles across the bridge of her nose, and, you know, she's got a tan face. Uh, like, she works outside. She goes, Oi! What the fuck are you doing? You get your kitty off of him. Right fucking now. Magma will sort of narrow her eyes a minute, sort of look at the gathering of, of yeah. small folk. Remember how you were looking for halfling dock workers before, and, you know, you couldn't find any on the goblin docks? 
That's because they're all over here on the halfling docks. And uh, there's a lot of gaff hooks and belaying pins and, you know, other implements of nautical mayhem being patted in hands and taken off of belts and, you know, that sort of thing. We said let him fucking go now. You do realize that he hurt someone not that long ago. And uh, like, for, as for Mickey, he's laying on his back, weeping dramatically and openly like, Oh, Jesus, I'm going to die. This great massive cat's going to bite me head off and I'll never see my Daisy again. Just after I'd gotten her back too. You heard him. Get your fucking cat loose. Always a lion sack of shite. And then you hear the click of a crossbow. We'll decide. But he's one of ours to judge, not one of yours, thanks. You got everywhere else in the fucking city, don't you? Go back there. Can she tell, um, just from, I guess, listening to Stitch and when they were at the hospital, are the other halflings here infected as well? Well, you'd have to catch up with Calder and uh, Nari for that. And there with Arabet, the ink demon, in the next scene. Um... <laughs> But, no, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, no, not I, knowing that information, um, Magma will look over at Stitch, shake her head, and sort of tilt it as in to tell him to back off. And that's when Mickey says, Look, kitty cat, I know you can hear me. Your teeth will do fucking nothing. But if you keep this up, not only will you wonder if every rat you see from now on is going to go get the rest of us. Every one of them is going to want a great big black fucking rug. Can you dig it? Very slowly, I release him. Oh, the thought I was dead. Thank the gods. All the gods below and the earth and both of the emperors and everyone holy for this. This is a miracle. I owe you my life. And he goes stumbling across the cobblestones, turns around, flips both of you off. Yeah, she rolls her eyes. And, you know, folds her arms across her chest. Thank you, my beloved cousins. I don't... Where's the nearest pub I need a pint? And as the camera pulls out, away from Mickey being rescued by the irritated halflings of this particular ward of Bailey Mina, we see it turn and then focus, zooming in on Stitch until only his big golden eyes are visible in the view. When we pull out, it's those same eyes, but a much different place and time. In the Trollmark city of Karalan, a few years after its foundation, we see the Blank River tribe of Tabaxi, those northern tiger men, going about their business, where they have settled in what is essentially a warren of alleys and small apartment blocks which is like i said arisen over the last 10 years once the swankiest of addresses they now belong to the tabaxi because there are bigger and better ones elsewhere in the city and it's here that we see the birth of a cub who is born with a midnight black pelt and big golden eyes on this gray winter morning and his birth is much portended you see because he is born under the sign of the tail spinner. And that, well, that's lucky when your clan is a troop more than a family. 
You see, they're all actors and troubadours and minstrels, and they travel the world telling stories and performing plays for great and small alike. To be born under the sign of the bard is a great fortuitous occasion, and the cub is much celebrated. This childhood is actually pretty idyllic. I mean, it's, got, it's a big family, and uh, every year, a bu those of the ones who are of age to travel or past age, sorry, those of ones who are of age to travel, join a troop and uh, go all across the north, collecting stories and, you know, fighting monsters and having adventures and writing poems and telling tales about it. And, you know, bringing glory to those who would have it. The clan, of course, is recognized everywhere they go and treated sort of like minor folk heroes in this role, but winning Kural in there, not very powerful at all, you see. Like, most of their numbers travel with troops. Their home defenses are small. So there are bigger clans in the city who stake more claim to territory and wander less. They leave the Blank River clan alone. Well, because they don't pose much of a threat. When Grey Winter Morning comes of age to learn his craft, well, Stitch, why don't you tell us how you trained originally? What was your specialty uh, within the clan? Like any good cat, I like the sound of my own voice. So I would purr and I'd meow and I'd sing in that sort of manner. Uh, I know that many people thought it sounded like a bagpipe, but truly, it was great and glorious. There was talk of sending you to the College of Swords, which is renowned throughout Hyperborea as the greatest source of warrior poets anywhere. Traditionally, the training is hermetic. You find a master, you begin as an understudy, and uh, you follow the troop around. But this, this university, this pay money for somebody else to teach your kid, how novel, but still quite a reputation, and still new glory to get onto the clan. So why, well, did you go to the college or did you, well, obviously not, you're not a swords part. Why not? It just didn't suit me. Not your thing. Well, absolutely. It wasn't my thing. Swords and dueling and that could actually get me hurt. No, 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 no. Nothing like a good story. Nothing like finding and uncovering lore for the clan. That's, that's a true box. Absolutely nothing like the classics, right? If it works, stick with it. Why mess with it? Okay, so that's clearly how you wound up out on the road. Now, Bright Summer Leaf. God, she was gorgeous, wasn't she? Oh, she was everything I wanted in a woman. Well, in a cat. I mean, well, she of was course. beautiful, yet rugged. Oh, she, she could spin the yarn, too. Almost as good as my own Her voice was like, like a summer breeze. Fur, so gorgeous. Oh, I'd imagine the harmonies were just outstanding. You know, rolling across the plains of the troll mark as you two teenagers fell in love traveling with caravans and troops all over the place. So, I'd imagine when the schism occurred between your clans, it was, it was quite heartbreaking for both of you. Well, some might call it tragic. I would agree. Especially since she was with Cub when her matriarch told her that, you know, she was never to see you and declared a blood hunt on you. 
such a small offense and such a huge, huge toll on your life. I mean, the way that your own family let turned you out. I mean, obviously, it was easier, safer, more practical. The only choice when you consider the difference in numbers. I mean, most of your clan is constantly touring, right? So to prevent bloodshed, exiling you was the only way to save your life. That was for, that was a few years worth traveling with, uh, oh, that, what the hell was his name? Draz, that, that drow, the dual wielder, the, why don't you tell us about the first few years about uh, traveling with him? Well, the first few years with him, I mean, I looked up to him. He was, he was everything that I really wish I could be. I'm not a fighter like him, but he was fast and quick and, and could jump and soar and uh, so dexterous. He taught me much about you know, the acrobatics and, and, and almost like circus life it was. And he was a showman. Oh, oh, he, oh he could just, he could absolutely gather the crowd and enthrall them. Well, that's probably why he made it so big in the hollows, eh? Hollow glyphs, hollow gems, hollow stones, all over the place, these adventures of Draz. And I, I mean, you were in a few of those, weren't you? As his faithful black cat sidekick. I mean, after all, Tabaxi worked as well quadrupedally as uh, bipedally so i mean all those hollows and the like the, the the illusionary stages all the things what was uh what was showbiz like i mean as an exile you must have kept a pretty low profile one would think i i did i mean i it's not like my family and clan or the, or the pride back there would ever really watch these but you know i i had to keep my face covered and the, where it's special well have you ever put makeup on fur it's it's horrible to... you can't do it right it's it's got to be illusion so i mean that would probably like a great use of your press the digital press the digitation and uh yeah literally appearing in, in glyphs and stones all over the place uh as a cat amazing but uh then i mean again keeping to a theme it seems um your partnership wasn't exactly equal. I, you were the he was the star, sure, but I mean, like the Lone Ranger and Tonto, he really wasn't that great. I mean, if you look at them, Tonto could talk to every nation. He could uh, do. He was a medic. He was a cook. He was a, you know, he knew the, he knew every way to get everywhere. Dude was a friggin' genius, and he carried this, the Lone Ranger all over the place on his back. Same thing with Cato, right? So I'd imagine it would be the same thing with you because honestly, that Drez, all of his hollows, all of his adventures, the pretty one note. He handles the cutting and the jumping and the looking good on camera and everything else was left up to you from campfires to pumping up, pumping up interest. Weren't they your stories that started his legend in the first place and got you both to get to Kiraval? Uh, I, uh, and, you know, towards the end of it, I was becoming a little bit jaded towards him, but it's a good sort. I, I, uh, it gave me my just... Well, it never hurt you, right? Like, of course, you, you must have trusted him. You had to. You were partners for a while, a year or two anyway. And, like, I mean, there was at Kiraval. Who who could say enough about Kiraval, right? The entertainment capital of the empire with the Ludases and the arenas and the hollow 
gem recording studios and all of these big hangar sized buildings get filled with amazing illusions to get recorded for the edification of the masses. It's almost more incredible than the real world, you know, which is why it's such a hit, I guess, but so friggin' hollow. Uh, you know, the, it has no substance. It certainly isn't like the crisp wind of the north, you know, falling in love in this, on the plains, on the uh, tribe lands or the, you know, the deep forests or playing for a rapt crowd of goblins who, you know, shrink it when shrink at your roars and laugh at your pratfalls and, you know, just the, the sheer togetherness and family of the goblin clans. You've never seen that anywhere else, you know, or the way the orcs stick together and their big passions or like, you know, the, the trips, your trip through Skyle, the city of dragons, magnificent. The cities of men hold nothing in comparison, but you've seen all this. And you've seen that Kiraval can reproduce it inside a building. And I mean, you did quite a bit of that. Look at where Draz is now, you know? I'm sure you can empathize with Magma and her background, but your breakup with Draz was a little bit different, wasn't it? I, it was. He made me a promise that he, let's just say he, he yes, he, he did not keep his promise. Well, I mean, as the do-everything partner, you probably were owed two-thirds anyway. It wasn't unfair of you to ask for that. Well, at first, at first he told you he'd be by in the morning, and then, like, that night, well, the goons put you in a, in a bag, in a box, on a ship in the harbor. And uh, by the time everything stopped rocking and the motion sickness wore off, uh, you found yourself on a dock where you waited for days and days. Well, you could hear people walking by and completely fucking ignoring you until finally it was like the sixth day and you were barely strong enough to scratch anymore. And that was it. Your tongue was fat in your mouth, like your fur all matted down and like whoever opened the box had better be named fucking Schrodinger. You know what I mean? But it wasn't. It was Bet the Boatsman. And thus began... The actual best friendship of your life. Alright. We're going to shift across town. Back to the archive. To where Arabet and Nari and Calder stand before the tall, liquid, humanoid figure of Zugrol Beorb, the archivist. And... The demon has no features. It has a, it's only vaguely humanoid. And it looks at Nari. goes, I see you've come back. I hand over the, uh, what was it? Lapis lazuli dust that he wanted. Yes, thank you. And, yeah, and I have a, a new uh, proposition, actually, that involves all, th all of us uh, together here. Oh, really? I have a great many paperwork needs, some of which need to be extremely discreet and hidden. I'd like uh, you to help me with that in exchange for some ongoing help with the various writing supplies that you'll need with I your various duties here. I see. Intriguing. They'll come with gold. They'll come with silver promises. 
Some of them promise me things they cannot possibly fathom the value of. But you bring me work. Do I understand you correctly, Warlock? Indeed. How novel. And if I accept, what is, uh, what is the trade? What is mine in return beyond this occupation? Which, frankly, is the reason I'm entertaining this proposition. But, as you must know, nothing comes for free. You get work. Oh. What do I get in return? Essentially, like for like, I would like you to help me hide paperwork. And in exchange, I will help you discreetly find your supplies in an, on an ongoing basis for your various projects um, you have. And the forfeit? Forfeit? The forfeit to the contract, the price of failure on either part. I would say exposure. And I sort of look at him sort of like nodding to this to the uh to my partners there <clears throat> no they know i'm here they know what i am you can't expose what is public knowledge it's not my fault that so many won't come down here i'm not sure that exposing you would cause any harm at all really you are a lawyer and could tie it up for years buy your way out in the end no not enough I need some skin, you see. You must understand the nature of a pact. I had imagined the, uh, the arrangement to include uh, a servant to do your various errands. I have servants, you see. I have all kinds of servants. I have stacks and stacks of them. And it's then that you notice that there are, there's somebody, a different humanoid figure of varying sizes, standing in each one of the mouths of the stacks which stretch off into the darkness. They all seem to be somewhat staticky, as though they were an image on an older television. Although, I mean, there's nothing so rude in the Runelands anymore. Um, a perception check, if anybody happens to be standing closer to one of them than another, oh, yeah. uh, is uh, definitely in order. Ziva had, uh, as soon as the, the the sort of crowd started making noises, she tucked the wand away immediately and uh, sort of tried to stand quietly behind everyone. Very she's sorry. just been quiet. She's just been watching. Okay. And that's a thirteen perception. Okay, that was uh, for the people with Cyril Girl with the uh, with the archivist. So Arabet color. Oh, sorry. And, yeah, Arabet sorry, color. Sorry. Sorry. Ah, well, I got a seven. Anybody else having a closer look? Sorry, did you want a passive check or an active check? Uh, either one. Has anybody got a passive perception higher than 13? I do. All right, Arabet. These figures are all, uh, you know, notables. They seem idealized. It's then that you realize that uh, one of them is, you know, the legendary... Uh, you know, the legendary gopher king that Ichiban Saru used to tell you about. The uh, the famous underminer, the guy who invented, you know, vault jobs by undermining. Um, because, you know, he fits his description exactly. You met him when you were a boy. And uh, yet there he is, fuzzy. And when you have a good look at him, you see that he is composed of words. A constant scroll of script, handwritten, and... Uh, you know, 
it doesn't take much to piece together that the demon has just summoned him from the records. The thing with the Gopher King is, uh, he preferred to be called the Badger because he was a hell of a fighter, right? Like to fight hand to hand with the, uh, you know, with bladed knuckles. But that's him, all right. And looking at him, there's like this constant scrolling, moving flow of script all over what would be his skin. As you look in, you see that it is just words, right? But uh, you get the impression that the badger, you know, the badger can fight. You look at another one of these things, and uh, they have the unmistakable appearance of the rune speaker Jonah, whose statue is in the boots. Or sorry, Bootsman's Arbor. Um, you know, yet there he is, standing in his long red coat, and you know his gray hair blowing, blowing around in an unseen wind. These figures of legend pulled right out of the books. So when the archivist says he has assistance, he means it. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. And there's like there are a dozen of these people um, in the circle of stacks which stretch off around you. I don't think you understand. We are not here to threat. Oh, no. No threat into, no threat taken. I'm just saying. Labor for me? Uh, labor I've got. It's work I need. And a forfeit. Oh, there's no deal. You get work. I'll do the work. There must be a forfeit. You see, normally this would be a contract or a pact of some description. However... I sense that you are not yet authorized to make deals on behalf of herself, and making a deal with you would anger her. So what's the forfeit? What do you desire? That is a good question. All these assistants, was the uh, lapis lazuli simply a test then? Just to see if you'd come back. I get so many who dare to come in here, few who don't piss their pants. And vanishingly few who come back twice. You wouldn't believe the number of teenagers I meet in a year. Now, are we making a deal? You want me to hide the you want me to hide documents? Play with the law? Well, what a challenge. Something to learn. Something new, yes, of course. Intriguing. What do you get in return? Well, you get what you ask for. But by offering me assistance, all you're doing is mining intelligence. You see, if you promise me the assistance of this one, and he points over to Arabet, I'm not sure he could handle reading some of the things we'd need to look at, if you know what I mean. No offense to yourself, I'm sure you're quite good with those many daggers, but not much use to me. This one, on the other hand, you would be a most valuable asset. Were you to be used properly, but I sense from the fact that you have said nothing since you've arrived and kept your features so very, very plain that you'd rather not be here at all, my friend. <clears throat> Certainly no offense to yourself. I uh, rarely go out on these little dalliances. I can see why. You have the scent of winter about you. The seasons are changing. Hmm. Oh, perhaps one day long from now, you and I shall meet again, and we will make a deal then, but I sense, my young friend, now is not our time, and so I turn back to you 
Oh, servant of herself, what can you offer me as forfeit? I'll take the work itself as payment. You get what's up. You get the results. Fail to bring me work. I leave you with the forfeit. Do you understand? Find me something interesting, one of you. Close your mouths. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have work to do. And he just kind of leaks off back into the stacks. Meanwhile, back at Rapscallion's headquarters, otherwise known as Ziva's Funeral Parlor, the workmen are wrapping up for the day as the last of you converges. Um, the place is fairly crowded right now, but the building is coming along. Right now, you're all converging in a parlor, which uh, is attended by Ziva's many unseen servants. Oh, finally, I can just relax. Uh, you know... It's so hard not to use magic in public. Ugh. I don't have that problem. Yeah, but you like, you like, I don't know, stronger than me. I don't exactly work out. Oh, oh, what a beautiful day. A lovely stroll in the park that we did today. Does anybody have anything to bring to the... So like what? was going on with those red people. Yeah, we've got a... I'm sorry, I can't believe Aerobat has come to something of an arrangement. Magma looks over at Nari and says, uh, Mr. Jobsworth, you were saying something? It would appear we have a widespread infection among the halflings of the city. Most of them, at least that I've seen in their little warren, Tucked away there in, by the orc towers. Most of them seemed to have changed it seemed, like into something. Magma sort of shifts her gaze between Ziva and Mr. Stitch and sort of tilts her head a little bit and says, well, I suppose the call I made was the better one. When we say widespread, like the entire population, now it's spilling over into... The entire halfling community seemed quite hostile to my questions about Willa, was it? And Ben? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was Eric, yeah, did you hear? <laughs> yes, we received a much less than cordial welcome when we asked about them. Well, our encounter with uh, Billy Bob Thornton there and his beloved Daisy did not go as intense. The, uh, she must have gotten away and uh, notified the halfling population at the docks. Uh, basically, we've been made. Uh, we have to avoid them now or be extremely smart about going about it. The, uh, the orc community seems still hostile towards the, the halflings. Perhaps there's some way we could ferment some unrest between them? They are, after all, in each other's backyards here in the city, too. Prevent or provoke, Mr. Jobsworth? Well, I would say provoke. If there's a way to make the orcs effective against these uh, these particular rats. Uh, I, I'm certain there's several ways they could be made so effective. I wonder if perhaps a good word from the uh, owner of the orc establishment that is currently on the docks might 
be just that tip and scale. Why don't we go back to the basics for a second here? I don't mean to interrupt any of you, but what exactly is our job that Frater's uh, asking us to We're supposed to clear up a rat problem, aren't we? Aye, clear up a rat problem. Um, this rat problem's a lot bigger than the six of Yeah, did they, like, want us to murder all the halflings? Because that's, like, a big mess. Look, so, if I was an infestation, well, that's a weird beginning to a story. Anyways, if I were infested, no, that's not it. If I was infected, I wouldn't want people to know about it. So these little uh, rodent friends that uh, Magma was following around there, they're loud and boisterous. Do you think the, the rest of their population wants them being that loud? There's got to be some unrest within their ranks. Someone's got to know that this is going on and that they're spreading it now to the goblins. I wonder I if they're using the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. They seemed fairly deliberate with their brazenness. They, uh, they seem to think that neighborhood is essentially invulnerable now, and they want the rest of the city, it seems. Well, there's an awful big chain of command they have to go through to get that. Thrasher wants some heads. He wants to be able to say that he's taking care of his people. That's all. Yeah, he really just, like, wants us to put on a show. So maybe, like you said, some people there are probably not too happy about them making, like, a big show of things. So, like, what if we went to them and said, hey, what if we took care of these guys who are a problem for you? You can tell everybody, look, you guys got to keep it, this shit on the down low or you're going to end up like those guys. Shut up. And then, like, we can bring those guys, you know, back to him and everyone can, like, be, oh, we solved the problem. Yay. Thoughts, folks? Still, there, there is still the issue, legitimately, of a were-rat uprising among the halflings and potentially goblins of the city. I'm not sure I want that in my backyard. Oh, no, but, like, you know, we can, I'm saying, like, we can do that for now and then try and figure out how to, like, stop it. Is there, like, no Department of Sanitation and Health in Bailey? Yeah, they're as corrupt as everybody else. And, uh, not surprisingly, almost entirely staffed by ghostwise halflings. I was gonna say, so... who, who do you think runs all the tunnels and works as tunnel rats in the city? So the way that this is playing out currently is that we are fucked six ways from sideways. So as you guys are uh, going over different uh, options, um, Kaladur's thinking about what are the, what would it take to provide a cure of some kind? I, I like how we're, you know, saying we probably shouldn't have a wholesale slaughter of the, of the halfling quarter, mm -hmm. right? But uh, like, like anthropy is not a small thing. Twenty-two on Arcana. What are we? Do we have options here? Uh, yeah. You, there are spells which will break the magic, but there is. Uh, I, I mean, like it's a curse, right? It's like any other curse. Can you guys hear me all right? Yep. Okay, so it's a curse like any other curse. Now, it's, by the rules, um, 
identif this the identify spell doesn't work on cursed things or items or anything like that. Like curses are invisible to identify, so there's no spell that says identify curse. So I think that identify cur like curses happen with insight, arcana, and investigation checks. The arcana check diagnoses the curse. The insight check is done, sorry, the arcana test, there's an arcana test, uh, an insight test, and an investigation test. That will provide you, if successful, with the means to break a curse without using magic to do it. Now, alternatively, is this the kind of situation, because it's a new outbreak, that if the progenitor of the were curse was killed, well, everyone the, would wake it? That would be part of your investigation. Okay. Right? You'll have to check this particular strain of, you know, lycanthropy. Yep. I so just I'll, want to burn the hell out sorry. of Sorry. So I'll share that with the room, right? So I think this is a rather interesting situa situation where if we could perhaps gain access to one of these halflings, if we had some time with them, I think we could develop some other options. You want us to spend time with infected halflings? I'm sorry, what? As a precautionary effort? By all means, remove their teeth. You want us to capture one? Like, I, I'm not I following. suggest we prepare a secure facility to house the, uh, the prisoner. Then I, I don't see any problem with, uh, with luring one in into our, uh, into our trap. That would be delightful. Perhaps a double reinforced basement door with, uh, Maybe some silver trim, given the the nature of the occupant. occupant. Uh, I have every confidence in you as, uh, providing every accoutrement that this uh, endeavor will require. A nice silver pentacle in the door would make it nice and uh, nice and secure against wear creatures. Anyway, you should probably get a couple of those set in just for security purposes. But yes, with a day or so. You could prepare a building to trap to trap one of these rats. Is that what should you're... we do it in our house, or should we have uh, uh, in your store, or should we just have some like? Sh like Why don't we just find it? A, an abandoned sort of building? Yeah, nobody wants this in their a, little a warehouse by the docks. Do we want it that close to their own turf? Well, there's more than one dock. That's true. Well, oh, where did they go drinking? They go drinking at uh, that orc place, that orc bar. Did they get Cross drunk enough to pass out? Tusks. Do they get drunk enough that they look like they might pass out or be uh, a little more pliable if we were to beat the crap? Or maybe slip something into their drinks. Uh, these are all fine options. I'm not particular. We do not even really need to speak with them that much, actually. I just really need to see them an examination of sorts do we do we need to do a live capture yeah can you work from like just blood that is a fascinating question and i'm not sure that is known to break the curse of lycanthropy regardless i like the idea of setting up a rat trap <laughs> a building sized rat trap 
we may be able some sort of information from a dead specimen, but mm, I think our time will be much better spent with a live capture. All right, so I don't know as much as I like to let on about the, like cutthroaty, but um, I can't really harm them. We can't really harm them. We need things that uh, are made of, uh, I think, silver or, or something better than what we're wielding in order to take one down. They, they won't even be afraid of us unless we have something that needs. I'll pack my little leather <laughs> satchel. No problem. I can harm them with uh, with so plenty of paperwork in here. Uh, uh, please, Mr. Jobworth, do not put yourself out. He was eyeball and Ziva with a bit of fear of God in it. I, I think I, I know, but like, I can't do magic like super obviously in public because I'm sort of not supposed to. To be clear, what we need is not an injured specimen, incapacitated, tied up. These are all fine. Intoxicated. Well, um, here's my thought. What we need is somebody who goes in as a sheep into the bar and uh, leads them across to our our house of rat trappiness, and uh, then everybody can work their mojo on the individuals that follow the sheep. I'm happy to be the sheep. Every good trap needs some bait. Okay, so like, what do they want? Well, we could certainly wait until the next phase of the moon crops up and see how bitey they get. Which moon is the problem? Again, it's all part of that... Uh... If you don't have the magic to just smash it, it's uh, it's a big problem to puzzle through. I think they uh, come out for gold. Yeah, I mean, that guy just seems to be, like, doing it. I mean, they like mugging, so let them try and mug me. I could certainly harass a few of them a little bit more, and they might come looking for me, but I'd rather not make... I'd rather more make friends as opposed to enemies. If you catch my drift, I'm gonna cut it. I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut it right there for a second. With if you catch my drift, you guys can discuss amongst yourselves in and out of character, whatever you need. I need to take a quick break. I'll come back and get the summary, and we'll continue. Sorry about that. If you need Nari to go and get mugged by the docks, that'd be hilarious. I think that's. Oh yeah, I think Nari could pull that off. Um. Yeah, if he just kind of stands around, like yeah, just look like an you know, just look like an easy mark. Count your money in your hand or something like. You know what? Actually, that's a good plan. Because if Nari is the mook, then I can provide backup to make sure that nobody but halflings goes out. Yeah, Sorry, I can hardly hear you. If I just act like a crazy sort of like drunk or drugged up tourist. Trying to find my way back to this new apartment that I found, that I've rented in the city. Wearing entirely too much jewelry. Too much jewelry and blathering all about all this neat stuff in my new apartment. This condo in the city. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. And then uh, Arabette can, be, can basically shadow you the whole way. Yeah, well, the rest of you guys sort of lay in wait, ready to just, yeah, just stomp this guy into unconsciousness and... I don't know, chain him up with a bunch of silver and I, I, I don't know, you guys figure out the, uh, mm -hmm. the trap itself I guess. I'm the bait, so I don't have to worry about these details. My yeah. problem is it probably isn't going to be one. Well, how many do we need? I mean, should we get ready for a six-pack? 
Well, uh, they were tumbling around in a foursome, remember? Yeah, we can expect maybe, well, yeah, but hopefully it won't be quite that many of them. Uh, can any of you pass sleep? No, I don't have that yet. Uh, what about Stitch? Can you cast sleep, babe? No. Whole person bestow curse. No, I could. Okay. I do have floating disc, so we have a way to I transport them roughly. once we knock them out. Uh, I mean, I can do a bunch of other di diversions and stuff too. Yeah, I've got like minor illusion um, and scorching ray. I mean, I can send and them running. Like, I can like. And, like make everyone afraid of me. I can like I, I've got a ton of tricks for crowd control. So, it's the matter of that. So let's lure one, knock one out, or find whatever. You scare the rest away, and then we jump into the, the warehouse. Well, I've got suggestions, so I might even just be able to just and and you know charm person and all of these things, right? So I might even hopefully just be able to just talk one in, you know? Like, yeah, that's 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 great. That's, that's great. Yeah, but, but but yeah, if, if somebody else has a plan B, I've got well, or a plan C, because then I've also got you know the the scare sort of like the scare power or whatever. That I don't know, you, I don't want to count on that alone either, right? Like, yeah, I I would not, I would very much not add magma into this. Yeah. Like she's fist. That's all she is. She casts fist. You're very much the swinging wire of this rat trap. I think. I think magma and. Calder are just back in the warehouse, and uh, Magma can help intimidate if they're still awake. Um, to be fair, should be there too. Um, to be fair, um, I can use stunning strike, but if it doesn't work, it's yeah. So, this sounds like skulking around in shadows. And um, does Magma always give off light? I believe so. Hold on, let me quickly check my character sheet. Well, I'm assuming that everyone just stay. Just stay close to me. I'm I'm dark and spooky. I have like a spooky shadowy aura around me. Because <laughs> I have to be goth expert. Ugh, I need more spells. Uh, do we want to kill a few of them too, by the way? Because there, you know, there was talk about giving some like uh, rats yeah. to, to Trasher. So should we split them up like that? Or should we just like bring them all in and then like hope one of them survives? <laughs> Doesn't care. Even if we bring them all in, like if we were to get, uh, subdue more than one, we could turn over the lot, uh, any anybody we didn't want to keep for ourselves over to Thrasher. I'm sure Ooh. he'd appreciate. And uh, if all you can get out of uh, combat with them is a tail, I bet Thrasher would like that or an ear. So why don't we just yeah why why don't we just count on just bringing as many were rats into this house as possible. Right. Not as many as possible, but like, you know, a gang, yep. right? Like, just bring the whole gang in. And we'll, then we'll just, you know, trash them, like, stomp them, kick their asses. And Especially since survive. we're fairly certain about the, that it's those four that were, uh, that did the, uh, the, the goblin. All right. Well, the surefire way to get them to follow you is to make the attempt to grab Daisy again, but at the same time, because we've already tried that avenue and failed. That's not going to yeah. work a second time. Well, I have an even and better I think, idea there too. I could. But I think the idea was, I think the idea was that Nari was supposed to look innocent and like unaffiliated with us. Oh yeah, no, just he'll he'll uh, be all dressed up like in his like spippiest right. sort of clothes. 
yeah. and he'll he'll flirt with the one uh, with the uh, with the one where rat's girlfriend. And even if that if robbing him doesn't get his attention, then flirting with his girl definitely will. For sure, do both. The half leg. I don't care. I'm a pompous elf. <laughs> well, yeah. Fucking Bob, right? Right now, Chris, you're a little quiet here. Can you uh, talk a little closer to your mic or something, maybe? Test now. That's better. Sean's just run off to hit the head, and I, uh, I'm giving Duke a scritch, and we'll. Uh, what, did, what have you come up with? Nari is baked. Okay. Uh, we're gonna set up a house as a rat trap, and we're gonna go. I'm gonna then I'm gonna go and hang out by the docks and try and get mugged by were rats. I see. Talking about my new place that's full of all this fancy stuff to try right and get on. them to take take me back to the house where we're we're all gonna jump them and try and take one or two of them alive. For sure. All right. Well, um, are you gonna seed that identity a bit, like uh, while you're preparing the house? for entrapment which is going to take you about a week and uh the rest of the i gotta stop saying and uh you know and the uh i gotta stop those it's going to take you about a week to prepare the house i mean as far as the eldritch dimensions of the place go ziva you're gonna have to take a full survey because um if you practice in it well i mean you know well from your base as a wizard that you can tune the geomancy of a place um now the spot you're looking at it can't be too expensive obviously i mean you guys are all limited by budget and uh that sort of thing but it also can't be gonna... cheap right so i mean you've got work yeah, this... anyway yeah i might as well right Right, you've got the workman on on retainer anyway, and Nari is uh, Nari is footing the bill for that. However, Nari, it, it is getting uh, it is getting expensive, man, and uh, you haven't made any you haven't made any money because for about the the last few weeks, you've really been concentrating on this new enterprise, you know. Um, so, one of the things that happens while you're looking for a, a, a likely site. Like a, a spot that's good and close to the close enough to the docks, without being obvious, like uh, those docks anyway, right? Um, the work takes place on it. it. It starts getting spiffed up and cleaned up. Um, Arabet. Hmm. I was actually kind of wondering too if I could potentially get Trasher to sign off just on a building in his territory. Actually, that's a great idea. Um, you He's have got to... a rat problem. You'll so have to, you'll uh, have to go let's... through. That's perf. That's you know what, brilliant. Let's uh, let's do that. I think that's elegant. Uh, you can have inspiration for that, by the way, Eric. Mark that on your sheet. That was uh, that was really good. So, giving me a second to just prepare this. Um, you are not going to be able to set up an arrangement with Thrasher yourself, as you'll recall. Thrasher uh, spoke politely to all of you, but uh, more familiarly more familiarly and well a lot more brusquely with Arabet. Arabet is is the one with the connection to him uh well Arabet and stitch really so one of the two of those guys is going to have to accompany you who wants to go to see thrasher just nari and Arabet, or nari and stitch or who's going i'll go all right when the devil 
came to dinner. Our mom was quite impressed. She said, why can't you be more like our esteemed satanic guest? Andy always knows just what to say and how exactly to behave and makes for such a pleasant stay as he plots to steal our souls away. And you may call it irony when coincidence collides. But I've had dinner with the devil and I have seen the light. And you may call it righteousness when civility survives. But I've had dinner with the devil and I know nice from right. So, um, Thrasher keeps his office in a supper club. Well, the back room of a supper club behind the kitchen through a freezer. Um, but it's his main business and, uh, it's, it's fairly well rated. So it's not the sort of place you're going to get into armed or wearing anything but suitable attire. That's just how Thrasher does it. Dress up so you can't have weapons. Dress for dinner. Arabed dresses for dinner. All right. You have your suit on and you're, you've finished your tie and, um... This is at your greenhouse. You're uh, you're gonna go meet up with Nari, or who's going to meet with Thrasher, Nari? Uh, Arabet and Stitch, if they if they both like to come. Yeah. I figure I'm going to use Perfect. a bit of my last gold to do a proper dinner. Super. Um, yeah, but which one of you? People don't bring cats to dinner. Oh, Nari, I figure. Like, uh, he, he doesn't want to deal with a servant for this. He wants to deal with, like, yeah. the proper, like, noble. All right. So, Nari himself, Nari the barrister, um, attorney, attorney and, and attorney and factor to the squire as well. Uh, Ziva could go, too, if you wanted. She cleans up. I mean, she's still super goth, but she could clean up. Yeah, that'd, that'd be awesome, because, I mean, we are kind of trying to butter him up a little bit here with, you know, like... Mm-hmm. A, well, and I mean a fancy sort of as many sort of like big wigs as possible because like yeah big wigs coming to him for help that seems like sort of a big thing for his like giving him a bunch of face too right very good the cab that drops you off in front of the cerulean loot is a steam driven job driven by one of these warforged um, you pretty much just put a couple of coins in a slot by the door when it pulled over. The door opened, you told it where it needed you to go, and it drove you there. Uh, opened the door, you got out, the door closed again, and it drove away. Coin-operated taxis. Whoever thought of something like that? Right? The world you live in. But you pull up out front of, uh, out front of the Cerulean loot, and uh, the place is, you know, it's busy. There's a carriage that pulls up every few minutes and divulges somebody else in fancy evening dress. So... Arabet, you're in your good suit. It's a, it's actually a really good cut, um, and it's a happy. Co- it was a happy coincidence that it fit you so well because it was the one thing that you couldn't move from that job. You know, like you stole a whole whack of things off these boats, and uh, one of them was you know fine evening wear, but your suit had a little tear in the hem. The buyer didn't want it. You just brought it home. Stitch is great with a needle and thread. You know. You'd never know. Free suit, and it looks great. You dress for dinner and uh, find yourself, unfortunately, martially embarrassed. Um, Ziva, uh, well, why don't we have... Well, I mean, you could have done this as well, Arabet. Sorry for 
stepping on your toes. But uh, Ziva, what are you wearing tonight? I I think she would um, she would have calmed her hair a bit. It's more um, kind of smooth as opposed to the usual spikiness. Uh, it's smoothed into an updo uh, with the uh, sticks in it. And uh, she's wearing a sort of long black dress uh, that slits up the side. It's quite simple. It's a very sort of simple dress, but it has a little bit of a bustle at the back, a little bit of a shape to it. Uh, but it's not, it's actually not as extravagant as the majority of her clothing is. Well, there is a little bit of a pattern to it if you look up close. But it's all black. The occasion, for sure. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, Nari, what are you wearing tonight? I've got, like, uh, a, I think a silver-trimmed jacket for this occasion um, with uh, tights and, uh, yeah, pantaloons, sort of, like, really shiny buckles on my shoes. And, uh, oh, it's a good exotic creature to have a hat made out of. Um, yeah, I don't know, something... Uh, Dinosaur. There you go. Yeah, nice, nice scaly hat with a. There's with a yeah, there 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 are claw striders all through the, like uh, all all through the northern forests, and uh, yeah, a, a claw strider hat. Yours is uh, like a silver blue to match, you know, to match. It's it's fucking sharp, literally. If it, it's been folded in iron and pressed so that the edges are sharp. Nice scaly leather sort That's of. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Big. And yeah, I've got just the usual satchel of paperwork and papers and quills and inks and whatnot. Right. Okay. So the doorman checks your reservation, lets you in, and uh, you're led to a table uh, with a great view of this harbor. Now, the thing with the Firth is um, it's a fjord, right? So it's like this long U-shaped valley, but there's all these little tributaries and... There's all these islands in and around it, and like in between the islands, there's little harbors, and there are boats coming and going at all hours of the day and night. Now, as you get there, the sun has set. Um, the sun has set already, but the last fading days of light are turning the sky indigo and, and orange and pink and, and, and all these other beautiful sunset colors. Um, the water is gorgeous and flat, and you can see the lights of the city twinkling and the boats coming and going. It really is quite a breathtaking view. Um, one of the more amazing things that you see is a giant octopus that just rambles right up out of the water pulling a barge. And when the barge is beached, uh, it turns around and you're sure that you see little humanoid figures standing on various places around this thing's head. Um, with what looks like prods, like these big goads. And with that, they turn this octopus around and put it right back in the water. The barge then gets, starts getting un offloaded by, you know, the night hands. Quite a thing to see, and uh, it's a big blue octopus. It's easily the size of a house. Easily the most remarkable part of your dinner. Now, dinner tonight is uh, quail and field potatoes with uh, mixed mushrooms. There's a couple of courses, and it's just one dinner. It's uh, expensive, 
but the wine selection is also extensive, right? And that's the one thing that isn't chosen for you. You can pair your own wine. I mean, things are served with the courses, obviously, but what hooch you want is up to you. I'll, um, Go ahead. I think I think I would know some good um, wines, and uh, I think I'd, I'd just pick all the best ones that go with whatever I'm eating. Okay. Well, your sister has some excellent taste in wines, Nari, although this is going to be a very, very, very expensive supper, right? Because the bottle she's picking, the menu she's picking from, doesn't have prices. It's that kind of joint. Yours does. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't do to make a scene, so this is going to be an expensive sort of supper. Uh, Arabet is, for instance, drinking $14 beers. You know, well, a beer anyway, and if he's even drinking it. Um, so supper is over, and the dessert course is uh, coming, and this young goblin, about three foot two, thin, with his fur all groomed, and his, uh, his ears, you know, his ears tucked back and, and you know, held back by a ring. Um, he comes up and he says, um, pardon me, madam, you're company is requested after supper if you're not busy your gentlemen friends are as well are welcome to come as well oh thank you now this is very goblin ask the woman because goblins are a matriarchal society right and it doesn't matter that thrash is the boss um if there was an older female goblin in the room she'd get consulted first right it's just how goblins go this arabet you know is how goblins are telling you that thrash will see you now um, quick, two quick questions. One, yes. does dinner itself count as a, as a short rest as far as like recharging spells? For you, yes. It takes about an hour and a half and you're just eating and shooting the shit and enjoying the view and drinking wine. So yes, that counts as a short rest, I think. Well then, can I have uh, prepped up an illusory script? Um, yeah, that looks like uh, the deed to the building, but it's actually a special... A, a good uh, special contract. Absolutely. And you know, um, the way I'm going to... Do you want to describe this, Eric? Do you have a, anything in mind? Uh, nothing particular as far as like cinematics or anything okay. goes. Okay, may, uh, may, may I then? Yeah, go, please, go for it. Okay, so as the dinner progresses, the various courses are uh, taken and brought away. You notice that Nari keeps a side plate one side plate throughout he doesn't let the staff take it and uh the things that he sets on this plate are like a couple of bones from the quail and some sauce and then uh some spices and whatnot like that and then when he's waiting between the main and the aperitif um he just picks up his fork and idly draws on this thing and he just idly sketches out in the in the saucer the side plate just like he's playing with the sauces and just kind of idly and flippantly arranging things. Eventually, the aperitif comes. It's a, it's a sorbet with a, a lovely liqueur to, to accompany it. They're both just excellent, right? Just wonderful on the tongue. Uh, Nari takes the last dip of his sorbet, the last little shot of his liqueur, you know, taps his lips with his napkin, and then lays his napkin over the side plate. Conversation continues. The invitation arrives, and uh, when Ziva looks at, at Arabet to be like, okay, are we going? 
uh, and Arabet nods at her, Nari reaches over and picks up a folded piece of paper off an immaculately clean side plate. You're led down a hallway to uh, like what appears to be a room that's just big enough for the four of you. Um, when the doors close, you realize that it's an elevator. And the elevator rattles down, tickety-tickety-tickety-tickety-tick, into the basement where it comes to sort of a crash, like elevators do, with that little bit of a lurch at the end, because, let's face it, it's a clockwork thing with, uh, you know, a, with a coal-driven motor. It's not very smooth. But there you are, the gate rattles open, and there's a long steel walkway that goes through a natural tunnel, which um, you can smell through vents. Uh, it smells like... It has spent a lot of time underwater in the ancient past, you know? It's that waterlogged stone smell that, that seaside caves have, right? And this uh, walkway goes stretching off down this, and every once in a while there's a gas light set into the wall. It's a fairly even tunnel, and the walkway goes off and curves off to the right in the distance. And you just kind of follow down there um, with your feet ticking off the great and you open like it, the tunnel turns around and opens up into a bigger chamber, which, you know, must have been a natural chamber. But all the boulders and stones have been cleared off and crushed. The gravel floor has been tiled over, and the, uh, you know, the place is looking rather lush for a quick visual reference. If you remember 1978 Superman, uh, Les, Lex Luthor's subterranean lair right those tiles that architecture that sort of thing and there's like the desk and all of these other sorts of things and uh sitting at the desk is thrasher and he goes welcome arabet i am um, wasn't surprised to see you here what can i do for you um i would like to introduce nadi and ziva um, the halus and these are your new backies then uh we would be involved in some, uh, yes, basically they're backing me, uh, not against you or anything. I just, well, I certainly hope not. Square, square things with the rats. Yes. Well, my question for the pair of you then is, uh, please, all of you come in, sit down, pull up a seat. And, uh, Ziva, the, you hadn't noticed them coming in. I, I like, you don't know how, but. You hadn't noticed them coming in, but there are unseen servants in the room. A few of them, mm. right? Like, because these, these big leather club chairs come sliding up to the other side of Thrasher's desk, uh, just behind the three of you with the that liquid, elegant precision of an unseen servant. What else? Since she's used to this, she... Uh, sure, but like you hadn't sits. expected a hobgoblin. Yeah, she sits smoothly, but watches him carefully, trying to figure out where... He's keeping his his wand or any other kind of magic item. Right. Um, the chairs pull up behind you smoothly, and then there's a glass of whiskey, which floats over to Arabet. Um, Thrasher sits back down at his desk, looks at you, and goes, uh, what can I get either of you? Oh, I've, I'm quite full and refreshed from the meal already, thank you. Whatever you're having is fine. Very good. And the second glass of whiskey floats over to Ziva. Um, Nari, there's a glass of water with, like, ice cubes in it that just kind of floats over and sets itself on the arm of your chair. He goes, uh, what, um, 
If you don't mind my saying, sorry, if you don't mind my saying so, I can see that you're a little better dressed than the normal sort of people Arabet hangs around with. So, may I assume that you're taking Arabet from the minor leagues and, uh, I mean, all heavens forfend leaping over the honest blue collar criminal trades to something a little bit bigger, in which case Arabet. I may have misjudged you. I know we met at the fight, Mr. and Mrs. Hulu, but are you siblings? Siblings, sir. Very good. I can never tell. You all look the same to me. It's all right. My point is that if you're starting a new enterprise, uh, independent of the guild, in my district, I have to take exception for it. Beyond a certain scale, you understand. Now, if you're operating at Arabet's level for whatever reason, then unfortunately, uh, my lord, my lady, you need to clear things through Thrasher or through someone at the guild. And since I'm the man for the guild in this ward, that means me. Do you understand that? Precisely, sir. That's you've, exactly why we're here. And you've come with good manners now this time, and on time to ask first. I see. I like the way you learn, Mr. Hulu, was it? That's right, sir. Very I'm good. I'm flattered you know me. I've heard a bit about you. You're some Tony Uptown barrister. Works for some mincing ponce of a lord out in the arbor. The finest ponce in the arbor. What brings you back here to these at uh, this end of town? This is a working man's end, if you'll pardon my saying so. I have contracts throughout the city, and I've been engaged to help Mr. Arabet here with your rat problem. That's very I do good. So, to help with the the discretion and apparent scale of the issue. Scale, you say? We require somewhat more resources to find the root of the problem. I see. And how many resources would that be? We would like to operate from a building in your district. The district you, of course, have contracted us to clear the rats from. Of course. That's reasonable. Give I have me what... here a suitable building, actually a, a, a lease prepared. I, I've taken the liberty, sir, of uh, preparing the paperwork in advance. I hope oh. I haven't been too forward. Okay, you're going to have to roll a... Hmm... What would that be? Deceive. Let's go with Deceive. Alright, well, I've got a plus seven, and I'm going to use my inspiration. Alright. Because I want this signature. Alright. Uh, 20, but not a natural one. Alright, well, Mr. Hulu, allow me to tell you, sir, it is refreshing to see someone... Uh, as professional and prepared as all of this. I'll, uh, I'll hand this to my man, he'll have a look at it, and we'll uh, very quickly come to the bottom of this. Uh, are you sure I can't get you a drink? Oh, I'll just have a sip of the water, actually crunch on a little bit of the ice. It's, absolu just... it's absolutely pure. Um, yeah, the water, the ice, there is nothing in it. Likewise with the scotch. The scotch is delicious. Um, Ziva? If what's your passive perception? It is uh, fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Um. Yeah, this scotch is uh, naturally good. In fact, I 
Arcana check. No, actually, no Arcana check needed. You know enough about magic to know press the digitation when you taste it being used. All right, I'll uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know if I can. I can't really like cancel it out exactly, but uh, I don't have that. Can't quite do that spell exactly, so I yeah, will. Uh, yeah. you, it's somewhere in your books, but you don't have it ready today. Right? Yeah, I. Uh, oh, sorry, for, sorry for press the dictation. It is somewhere in your books. Somewhere, it's in the cantrip book. You just, I, uh, you, you just haven't spent the time yet. It's it's a good spell. It's useful. Yes, you know. Yeah, I gotta get them. But uh, fucking conjurations I, are boring, man. Oh, I know. It's just necromancy is so interesting. This so she famous. she kind of um, pretends, you know, like she's stirring it with her finger, and uh, she uses minor illusion to add a subtle kind of uh, glitter to the drink. Okay, so there's this little vortex of glitter. Just enough that if someone was looking and was paying attention, it, you know, she's she's doing something. Okay, so yeah, the you do this, and uh, the goblin that comes to take the contract from Thrasher, he like Thrasher hands it the neatly folded paper to this goblin, um, who takes it and uh, goes back to like where he came from, off in off in one of those side tunnels. Um, he's, you know, he sees you do this and notes with a, notes this with a twitch of his ear, you know, like, huh, different goblin but than before, the different goblin than the one that brought you down here. You can tell them apart, but yeah, the, uh, he sees you do it, it catches him and he raises an eyebrow and twitches an ear, but he walks out without saying anything. And for the next few minutes, um, there's a chat back and forth between, like, it's small talk, as Thrasher, you know, mentions that he's known about Arabet and Stitch for a while, and, well, he's known Arabet since, he's known about Arabet since he was a kid, and Stitch since Stitch found him and uh, brought him to Thrasher because only Thrasher had the healers who could save his life, you know? That's another point we'll get to at some future bit, I'm sure, but, I mean, he's known, so... Thrasher likes to keep things orderly and doesn't like his independence to get too big. He's a real union man, you get the feel for, right? Like, it's not that he's worried about being a criminal. He just doesn't like non-union criminals, you know, because they'll steal from anybody. They've got no standards. You can't get a receipt from them, that sort of thing. The Guild, on the other hand, well, that's an institution worth standing for. And eventually his goblin brings it back and uh, nods to him and Thrasher picks up his quill and signs it right up. He, uh, he folds it up, he hands it back to you and he says, uh, now how much of an operating budget, uh, sorry, how much of an operating budget are you going to require? And are you covering that yourself, Mr. Hulu? Actually, if I can spread the... Uh... Spread the work around with some of your some of your tradesmen, then uh, with a discount, I think that would even things out nicely there. Well, if you want discount work, hire non-union. I'm sorry, but yes, I can provide the labor you want. I can even provide some of the budget, but we'll have to speak of terms for repayment on that. I'm sure as a barrister you understand, sir. 
neither one of us could be trusted with money without a solid agreement in place. I'll chuckle and say, oh, of course, and sorry, tuck away the uh, the paperwork with a nod and say, of course, it's always more than a handshake with my trade. Of course. So, like, by the time you leave there, he's uh, he went in offering you six grand at 11% and wound up uh, giving you 11 grand at 6%. Nice. All right. Perfect. And so we've got a, a working budget and uh, actually... Yeah, sorry, you said that no, was No, wait, that's, that, sorry, that's 0.6%. Well done, Nari. I didn't think lawyers could get more evil. This but there impressive. you go, right? He's, so, the warlock evil is amazing. <laughs> yeah, warlock lawyer, lawyer, the most evil thing in the universe. But yeah, so you leave with a whole stack of notes and a big fat chunk of money. Like, this is going to be more than enough to finish both Ziva's parlor and uh, the apartments in well, the building. I've also right? got Trasher's like explicit blessing to go around and like work in his neighborhood. Sure. So like, I mean you, you get away from there like a bandit. Uh nicely charmed. But as you're leaving, uh you get to the elevator and uh Thrasher has walked with you the way out and uh, as you're leaving he takes Arabet uh, by the shoulder and goes, uh stay a while for a minute, bet. Of course, Thrasher. Uh, come on, would you... The elevator goes back up and uh, Thrasher starts walking back down the hall. He goes, I can't stand for long on this bloody leg. You know that, Bet. That's why I don't work in the streets. Come with me. Yes, sir. And he goes back to sit at his desk. And when he sits down, he's just a tired old goblin man. You know, like, he's not the, he's not the, the fury he was when you were 12 years old. You know, when you like after after Saturday died and uh, Thrasher found you and gave you to the thief maker. Your you know? rap problem is bigger than you think. Yes, I know. Tell me what you found out. Be honest with me, Beth. It extends well into the halfling population. I'd uh, I'd assume that and they stick together like well, rats. Yeah, like rats, all right. And the idea is to to find. Them. The core of the problem and nip it. Good idea, but bet I can't have egg on my face for this. Obviously, we can't just wipe out the fucking halflings. Oh, that's not the idea. The idea is to find the one that started it all. If that's optional. If it's I mean, doable. I mean, if he's even here. Those folks spread over lands and continents. They're everywhere, bet. Everywhere I've ever been. The lousy and the troll mark. Ask your, ask your friend Stitch about the werewolves up north. I bet you he knows something more than he's going to let on, that's for sure. Well, I'm sure he does too. If he survived a trip down here from Kuralin by the sound of him, when he speaks goblin, mind, his Gutter Bailey Mina accent is fucking superb. Masterful. It's as if he was born here. But that never occurred to you. No. Well, your cat friend... He's far more than he seems, and my name's not Thrashgola. Trust your judgment on that one. Very good. Listen, Bet, I don't like the smell of this at all. This rat problem, surely not. But this big adventure you're in, I must say, they're unsettling those two. Yeah. Well, uh, well you have to throw your lot somewhere. You're a good boy, Bet. And that word, that, that same voice... 
echoes and like you're you're 11 years old and Saru has just died and you're fucking alone on the street and that's when that one-legged hobgoblin you know came by and chased those kids who chased you up a post away like you were up there beaten to shit and dizzy from like fatigue but standing on a post for hours and with nowhere to escape from while these little asshole kids who hated Saru but hated you worse for Saru's favor such as it was like what an asshole like any small mistake beat you up he named you Arabet for fuck's sakes it's a girl's name but still I mean you've made it your own you don't worry about that sort of thing but you know when that hobgoblin came and scared those kids away and caught you when you fell off the pole when he put you back to health when you grew when he gave you to the thief maker and every time he would come to see you he'd put his hand on your shoulder that big hobgoblin hand that used to eat your shoulder from the from mid humerus to the halfway up your neck and as you grew it took up less and less space but that's what he always used to say to you you're a good boy pet stay on course you're a boatsman don't get too big for your britches and they're back in the now and he's just said the same thing to you from across the desk like he's so tired like he's just so worn old thrasher and you can see it on him for the first time you know like he's getting old and he's a goblin the first hint beyond a doubt that your world has completely changed was meeting the hulu kids this confirms it man there's something has shifted and there's no going back Well, that got a bit dark at the end there, didn't it? So concludes episode 5 of Aruland's Rapscallions. In this episode, we featured Dinner with the Devil by Big Rude Jake, Kitty by Presidents of the United States of America, Dirty Old Town, and Boys from the County Hell by the Pogues. We opened with the instrumental version of Steam Power, by Professor Elemental and Tom Caruana, and this closer is the Nutley Brasses version of the Misfits song, Some Kinda Hate. Yeah, this is a punk tune. Go figure. Nari Hulu and all of his various persona are played by Eric Martin. Ziva Hulu is played by Shireen the Mad Fishmonger. Arabet is played by Christopher Stockavaz. Mr. Stitch is played by Mighty Fenris, otherwise known as Corey McJanet. Magma is played by Shauna Mulligan, and Calder is played by Sean Yo. Runelands is plotted, produced, edited, scored, and curated by me, Adam Tomble, your Dauntless DM Runelands. Full cast, show notes, credits, and more available at runewise.games. Thanks for listening. Until next.